Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. This week we're, um, it's Advent 3 week-wise, um, we're going to do, um, cover four lessons we've uh, that are in the traditional nine lessons that are used in lessons and carols uh, from the traditional standpoint, at least at King's College. And the four today, the two prior Sundays we've done um, Old Testament lessons. There are four Old Testaments, uh, initially two out of Genesis and then two out of Isaiah. And now we have four, uh, and so next week we'll have the fifth. Uh, of the New Testament lessons, but uh, uh, the fifth one, uh, lesson nine, is one that uh, we could make a a full four-week session on if we wanted to, um, and so we're saving that one for next week instead of trying to divide up, and these four really kind of fit together. Um, I thought we would read through them all together and just then talk about the, the full story as it goes. So, you know, maybe if a couple of you could each read a lesson and then uh, whatever, I'll finish up with what's remaining. I'll read one. Okay. I'll read mine. Okay. Okay. Thanks, John. All right. You want me to start? Go ahead. The angel Gabriel salutes the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth, Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. St. Luke tells of the birth of Jesus. And it came to pass in those days that there, were, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, 
being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The shepherds go to the manger. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said unto one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary, and Joseph, and the babe, lying in the manger. The wise men are led by the star to Jesus. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least, of the, the, uh, not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily caused, called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their country by another way. Thank you. We start with, you know, it says in the sixth month. That's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth was Mary's cousin. She, at this point, is pregnant with the person we know uh, as John the Baptist. And so uh, that's just giving us kind of a reference there. And so Gabriel the angel comes to a town in Galilee. Now Luke is probably, you know, he wrote to the Gentiles and to the Greeks, and so they would be less familiar with where a small town named Nazareth would be than had it been uh, some of the other gospel writers. 
and she's espoused to a man named Joseph. And being espoused is something a lot more than being engaged, as we would think of it. But it's not full and complete marriage, but it's legally binding. So if you were to go over and read in Matthew where Joseph is told why Mary is pregnant, um, he had, it talks about he had decided to divorce her. So to get out of an espousal, you have to go through what we think of as a divorce process. Um, but they didn't. The angel explained to Joseph what was going on, and Joseph, you know, did what Joseph should have, should, should have done and did do. I, I highlighted here, it talks about Mary being highly favored, and we talked in Romans about how, in Paul's writing to the Romans about how Abraham was favored. We've talked about how Noah was favored. It's nothing that Mary did. It's God what he did. He found favor with Mary. Because of nothing she did, it was just she was the one that God selected, so to speak. And so when the angel, Gabriel, greets her, you know, obviously she's got, he, he knows what's going on in her mind. She's troubled and doesn't know how to respond to this. And so he says again, fear not, for thou hast found favor with God. And then he goes on to tell her what that being favored means. You know, you'll have a child, it'll be conceived in your womb, and the child's name will be Jesus, and he'll be great, and she'll be called the Son of the Highest. Now, at the end of chapter 1 in Luke, Zechariah is told that, or is in telling, that John will be a prophet of the Most High. So we've gone from, if you will, cousins being born a few months apart, and one is known as the prophet of the Most High, the other one is the son of the Most High. Um, if we go all the way back into Genesis, when Abraham was coming back from um, going to defeat some um, other people that had taken off stuff, he comes by Salem, and we have the person named Melchizedek, who uh, Christ at some point is considered a priest in the line of Melchizedek. But Melchizedek referred to Yahweh, is God most high. So, and we also have the word most high or the highest in like Psalms and other places, God most high and son of the highest, you know, would be son of the highest, son of God most high would be the same. And so when the angel is saying he is the son of the highest, highest in the Lord God, he's telling her, this is a very special child that will be born. And then she goes, well, how can this be? You know, I haven't known a man. And he says, well, you know, the Holy Spirit shall come into thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. 
Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So we have a holy child. He's not a slave to sin. And here again, we've been talking in Romans about being a slave to sin. Well, Christ isn't born in, in sin. He, he is not part of that. While he, you know, he is born of a woman, Mary, because, you know, he couldn't just appear. If he just appeared, he really wouldn't have been human. He wouldn't have been somebody that would have been exposed to what we're exposed to. Now, he didn't yield to a lot of that or any of that exposure, but he lived, he walked, and he was real. But Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of the Most High, is without sin. And so that's why he's not a slave to sin and he's the holy child. You know, then what does Mary say in verse 38? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to thy word. She's willing and she's able. She accepts what the angel Gabriel has come and said, here is your role in God's plan. And so she accepts it. And she accepts it, you know, from reading this, pretty straightforward and um, without any more. You know, she probably still doesn't know what's going to happen as it relates to her relationship with Joseph. But she accepts straight up, here's what God has planned for you and says, I'm willing to accept that. You know, it strikes me that in, in these readings we have in the first lesson, Adam and Eve in their rebellion, and each of them having defied God, and each of them having justified their defiance in the first lesson. You know, the, the, that woman you gave me, she she convinced me to eat, and the woman says, well, that serpent, he beguiled me and convinced me to eat. And yet, last week we saw um, the, the image of Abraham who was told to do the most awful thing, and he was prepared to do it. He was obedient. And here again we have Mary. So in, in a way we have Abraham and Mary striking a counterpoint to Adam and Eve in that they were both obedient. They were key to the to, to unfolding God's plan and he, he chose them as Steve said not out of any merit that either one of them showed but he chose them and he exalted them and they were obedient and that I think is when we, when we read all of the lessons through, that kind of stands out. And, and, and they were sinful people. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. Right, like yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. What does it mean here when it says, um, in, this, in this lesson, the first lesson we read, he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Is that just the throne of his father David? Well, he's viewed as, you know, in, in that line, and it's said that 
the Messiah would come to rule and would be from David's lineage or would have been a branch out of Jesse. And so that's just saying that he will assume that throne. Now, what people assume that to be was a king more like what David was while he honored God and did as God would have him to do most of the time, he was still a warrior king. And so that was a misconception. But yes, he is saying that he will have that throne. But it's that throne in a different sense than what, when you read it, you take. Well, do you think that it was commonly understood during Jesus' lifetime when he was preaching in the, the Jewish hierarchy was upset with him and, and he was performing miracles and just his whole ministry, was it was it generally perceived or, or thought that, I mean, was the virgin birth, of, had a role, did it have a role in any of that ministry? Uh, they, they didn't, you know, we can get over and, and jumping to Lesson 7. It talks about how Herod and all the people in Jerusalem were upset by what they were asking. You know, where is this king that's born the king of the Jews? All of Jerusalem was upset. They didn't get it. So when Jesus was doing his preaching and all, there's still nothing that they got. They, they didn't know how this Messiah was going to come, but the fact the way this person that was preaching was preaching and doing it sure didn't match up with anything if they had to write it out uh, in something that we know about. It wouldn't be what was here in the gospel. Did, any, did Isaiah or Samuel or any of the great prophets predict that it would be a virgin birth? I mean, they I don't, the resurrection and the second coming. And... I don't remember. Well, I'll, I'll look and see. You know, we've got here then, it happens in, now, Nazareth, as Luke pointed out in the uh, first lesson today, is in Galilee. And it's a time of being taxed, a census and whatnot. And they had to come down to his, his being Joseph's ancestral home, which was Bethlehem. And to get there, a good Jew, the straight line takes you through Samaria. Now, if you think about being pregnant and having to walk through hilly, mountainous, rocky country, you'd sure want to take the, the straight, most direct route. But we don't know how Joseph got it there. The point is, it's a long way from Galilee in the northern part down to Judea, and Bethlehem is southwest of Jerusalem. It's only about six miles, so it's close. But this was a journey. And so God would have had to have been with them to get them safely there. Whether, you know, you, being taxed, a lot of people would have been going, but we think of the story of the person we call the Good Samaritan, there are a lot of robbers and everything else like that that made a habit of attacking people and getting what they could. And uh, so God protected them in getting them to the city uh, where 
Joseph needed to be to go and to be taxed. And you know, they go to, but it says there was no room for them in the end. Well, Bethlehem is a small town, so it's not like um, you know here. Okay, well, we got the Tutwiler on one side of us, we got the Redmond on the other side of us. It wasn't kind of where we go. It's it's a small town and. It says the end, and that's just the only place they can go. And the child is born that we talk about in the next lesson in a manger. Well, it says here even a manger. It, you know, it's where the animals are kept. And uh, it fits with Christ in a lot of respects, though. The humility of that. I mean, Christ was humble his whole life, his entire ministry. Well, it starts off that way. Here he is, born out back. And he stays there. At some point in time, they set up home there, apparently. Because in Matthew, it talks about where the wise man came to. They came into the house. Now, the house says that's a little bit more than out back. And so they... Uh, they would have stayed in Bethlehem and called that home. But before the wise men came, we have the shepherds. And the shepherds in the hierarchy of the uh, Greek society, they were, they were low guys on the pole. They were, they were ahead of Gentiles, but you know they had a uh, a job which would keep them ceremonially unclean. But yet at the same time, what was Moses doing when God called him? He was keeping sheep. So was David. That's yeah, David. You know, Jesse brings his sons in to be anointed, and. One's missing. Well, who's missing? David. Where is he? He's out keeping the sheep. Well, that's the one. So the message comes to the shepherds. I mean, and how appropriate in a lot of respects. Here again, people that are just humble, doing their job, staying up at night, taking care of the sheep, protecting them. And how do we even refer to Jesus a lot of times? As the good shepherd, watching over his flock. So this news comes to them at night, and it's you know, it gets bright. The glory of the Lord shone round them. Well, that's telling you it's bright. I mean, think about when Moses wanted to see God, and God said, well, you can't look at me. It's too bright. And but I'll come near you. And so Moses has to put his body and his face into a crevice in the rocks. And the glory of God passes by. Well, here the glory of the Lord shines down on these shepherds at night. And and you got to think, okay, (laughs) all of a sudden it gets bright. There's this angel talking to me. And what am I supposed to do? Well, they listened. You know, the angel says that, you know, he brings great tidings, good tidings of great joy, and that this day in the city of David in Bethlehem, and they give this person three names, a Savior, Christ, the Lord. 
Yeah, he, he's the Savior. Christ is Greek for the Hebrew word Messiah. So right there, they are telling them exactly who's in Bethlehem. And the shepherds probably are, would probably know from their early training in synagogue, or, but they're not as well versed as you know, the temple leaders, the priests, that Bethlehem is where this child is to be born and whatnot. But they hear the message and they respond by doing. You know, they see the glory of God. Then other angels come and join this angel in singing. And so it gets probably even brighter. They sing. And then, what do they do? You know, Zachariah's response when he gets told that he and Elizabeth are going to have a child, he is literally at the altar in the temple. Now, the way it was his, they drew lots to see who would get to go into the altar. So he's in at the altar of the Lord in the temple. And an angel appears and says, you and Elizabeth are going to have a child. And what does he do? He questions. Now, if you're at the altar and you get that, you're kind of going to go, this is probably pretty important. I need to listen. But he questioned. And he ended up being mute from that point until it came time to name his son. And he wrote it out. He wrote John. And when he did... His muteness went away. But he questioned the angel. Mary even questioned, how can this happen to me? I have not been with a man. But her response was met differently. What did she say? I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm willing to do as asked. Well, in the case of the shepherds, what was theirs? Hey, we got to go now. You know, we can't wait till the morning or when we get the sheep back into town we got to go now and find this child. They responded in haste. Now, being a small town, they probably knew where the visitors were, even though a lot of them would have come into town for the census, for this taxing. If you've ever lived in a small town, you know everything that's going on. I mean, I lived in a small town by Mississippi standards, so that's, that's pretty getting small. And... You just know things that are going on. So they knew where to go look. It wasn't like, okay, start knocking on doors. They knew where to go and find this child. And they, in the story, and it goes a little past, if we were to read further in verses um, 17 to 20, it talks about that when they saw it, the child, they made known the sayings that had been told them concerning this child. So they are telling, they get there and they start telling Mary and Joseph what had happened. And you know, what they had seen, why they were there, what they had come for. And it talks about Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in their, her heart. Well, that just adds credence 
to what the angel Gabriel had told her nine months prior. And so she's thinking, she's meditating on what she had heard. And then the shepherds go out and they're praising and glorifying God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So they were sharing with other people. So then as we get to some period of time later with the wise men, the Magi, coming and they come into Jerusalem and want to know where this person is, there are probably some people that had heard what had happened in Bethlehem at some time before, but it was kind of like, you know, those old small town folks, they just, you know, they ain't got anything better to do and they're trying to make a name for their town. Okay, so yeah, it's David's town, it's Bethlehem, but, you know, they're small towners. and We're the priest, we know what's going on. Well, the Magi, the wise men, would have been, by this point in time, at one time, Magi were known to be the priest uh, in the East. Over time, they became known more as astronomers and philosophers and whatnot. So when they would have seen this bright star appear, they knew something important had happened. And they would have at some time remembered some of Jewish history and sayings and writings from the Jews' time in Babylon. And so, you know, they can start probably putting pieces together about what was happening. They knew it was something of some importance, and they decided they needed to go and do. Now, they, they you know, we traditionally think that it's three people. It was probably more than that. Could have been, as, uh, in any case, there was a full entourage because if they did come from Babylon, per se, and just instead of somewhere in Arabia, that they would have, um, that's a distance, it's uh, like 800 miles. And if you do the what was the normal trade route then, that's 800, you're going to, you got to pack some some goods. You can't just, you know, get on your camel and, as we see in the pictures, and, you know, carry some food because 20, 20 miles a day would probably be, you're doing well, particularly over some of the terrain you got to go over. So you've got guards, you've got attendants. You know, these are wise men, these are people at upper levels in society, so they're not going to just get and go on their own. They're going to have people to take care of them. They're going to have supplies for the trip. And so you've got an entourage coming down, and to want to do that, you've got a plan. You're serious about going down to where this star is and that's leading you to see what it's about. But they go, and they get there. They get to Jerusalem, and so they start, okay, where do we go? They didn't know exactly where to go. Now, Herod was an Edomite. But he'd been on the throne for 35 years. The Romans had put him on the throne and made him king of the Jews. It wasn't that he was Jewish and was assuming that role because of his Jew, Jewishness. It was Rome had put him there. And he saw, of course, he was, he, he was a great builder, but he could be pretty vicious. 
and even killed a wife and some sons and all that. But he saw that it, he, you know, he knew at a point in time he would die, and he saw his sons is taking over his throne. So when somebody comes in and says, where's this new king of the Jews? That sends up a flag to him right there because he hadn't had a new child apparently recently. You know, and also, the people in Jerusalem, well, the, the Jewish hierarchy here again, they had, you know, they talk about the coming Messiah, but they had life pretty good. And so if this king of the Jews was coming, this is going to upset my apple cart. But they knew enough when Herod called them and asked to tell them, both Herod and the wise men, it would be in Bethlehem. And so Herod, when he's got some private time, he doesn't want to expose how upset he really is. He says, go down when you find the child come back and tell me so I can go and worship. Well, he had other plans, as we well know, from reading further into the gospel. But you think about it. He could have sent an escort with them, you know, to help them get down to Bethlehem. Now, it's only six miles down the road, but he tells them to go down and then come back and tell me where. He could have, after he heard the Jewish priest tell him it was in Bethlehem, he could have sent guys down there to find out and go, okay, it's on, you know, 123 Main Street. Um, but So he'd already know. He could have told them very specifically. But no, he just told them to go, and then a star came and led them the rest of the way. You know, the Jews were led out of Egypt by a cloud that went before them. Well, in this case, it was a star that took them, and it took them to a specific residence, and they went in, and they worshipped. They recognized who this child was, and they wanted to acknowledge that this was to be a king of the Jews. And you go, well, why would they do that? Well, there were people from Arabia that came and paid homage to David and to Solomon. So it wasn't unusual that people from the east would necessarily be coming to pay homage to a Jewish king. There was a history of it. Yes, it was a while back, but still it had happened. And so they came in and they gave gifts. And it says here, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, Frankincense was it's something that are incense that are uh, burned and um, you probably uh, if you go to a church that does uh, incense, uh, particularly during the Christmas season, that's probably what the incense are that are burning when they're swinging the lamps. Um, myrrh was a perfume, so and these were expensive gifts back then. There's even speculation that some of this is probably what Joseph used to his expenses in getting out of Bethlehem and getting down to Egypt for a period of time until told to come back to um, Israel. Um, but the point is, these men from the east were acknowledging who Jesus was, who this baby was. So it's interesting 
that who comes to worship the newborn? The shepherds, the low people, and on the Jewish kind of here's where you rank by profession, and people from the east, Gentiles. And the people that should be, they're kind of wondering about it and getting concerned about it. Herod's concerned because his family line will not proceed forward, but this other person who's named king of the Jews will be. And the Jewish priest knows something's going to happen to their role when the Messiah came. They're not going to be as influential. There's going to be somebody more influential than me. And my envy and jealousy prevents me from acknowledging that. So, you know, we talk about how Christ came first to the Jews, and Paul talks about it, and he, he went, anytime he went to a new city, where'd he go? He'd go to the synagogue, to the Jews, and when they didn't acknowledge or accept, he'd go to the Gentiles. The shepherds being the Jews came first. The wise men being the Gentiles, the Greeks, came second. But they came to acknowledge and to worship and give glory. Next week, we will do um, John's, uh, the preemblem of uh, John, but John chapter 1, 1 through 14, which, as I said before we started, you could make a week's lesson every day out of it and go from there. Till then, have a great week. Thank y'all.